minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
wise words won't make you smart. A little bit of sun won't dry you out. Two raindrops won't end this drought. But a little bit of friendship goes a long way. If you got a friend, you'll be okay. A little bit of friendship goes a long way. It'll bring you some muscle, you'll be okay. So give me a whistle, a whistle and muscle. Give me a whistle, a whistle and click. Give me a whistle, a whistle and muscle. Give me a whistle, a whistle and click. You're down and feeling small Got a phone but no one to call When your hope has sailed away And you've got nothing to say A little bit of friendship goes a long way If you got a friend you'll be okay A little bit of friendship goes a long way It'll bring you some muscle, you'll be okay So give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle Give me a whistle, a whistle and click Give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle Give me a whistle, a whistle and click So reach out your hand To a friend, don't hesitate Hot chocolate, be solid Is all that it takes Brighten someone's day That will do the trick Bring in some mazel You'll bring in some glee I'll be solid mazel I'll be solid glee I'll give you some mazel I'll give you some glee Bow that thing mazel Come in soon Little bit of French goes a long way If you got a friend, you'll be okay Little bit of friendship goes a long way Bring you some muzzle, you'll be okay So give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle Give me a whistle, a whistle and click Give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle Give me a whistle, a whistle and click Give me a whistle, a whistle and whistle A whistle and muzzle, a whistle and click Give me a whistle, a whistle and muzzle Give me a whistle, a whistle and click
JM in the AM. We'll dedicate that uh, Tfilas Chuppah to uh, Benjamin Siegel and Kayla Levinson, who are celebrating their Ufruf and Shabbos Kala, respectively, this Shabbat. And we say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Yes, very, very exciting to say the least. Eighth day, who will be here Monday, by the way. Eighth day in studio this Monday here at JM in the AM. Uh, there they are with uh, Bissela Mazel, Odi Shama for the brand new couple, Derech Achim, Simcholina with Merakeid, Pe'er done by Shlomo Kalbach, Yaakov Shweki's Netzach Israel, World on Fire, that was the Moshav band, and of course Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's a Friday on this August 23rd, day 22 in the month of Menachemav, the year 5779, Tavshin Ayin Test. Tonight is my mother's uh, fourth yard site. And um, we'll dedicate her by Yudin's words later to her memory. Erev Shabbos Parshas Akev with candle lighting time at 722 on this Erev Shabbos. 722, your official candle lighting time. Well, Ben Shosh Chodesh Elul, that's right. Get ready for Ladavad Hashem Ori. Get ready for shofar blowing or Chodesh Elul and Slichos if you're in the Sephardic community. Sorry about that. If you're in the Sephardic community, Rosh Chodesh Elul will be Shabbos. And Sunday of next week, Shabbos and Sunday next week, Rosh Chodesh Elul will be here. That's right. There'll be a lot of bar mitzvahs next Sunday. That's true. I think it's Labor Day Sunday also, right, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 71 degrees, 77% humidity, winds are north at 9 miles an hour. Morning showers and a high temperature of 74. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 63. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high temperature, 76 degrees. You shall line right now at 87. We're at 71 here in New York City as we say good morning. At JM in the AM. Plenty coming up. Weekly update, of course. Malcolm Holmline will join us. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. The aforementioned Rabbi Yudin is going to join us at 8.15 with words about this week's Parsha. And the plenty, plenty more, including all day long. Uh, the Erev Shabbos show at 10 o'clock. Erev Shabbos music mix all day long. Both brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Uh, get ready, everybody. We have an amazing, as usual, an amazing Friday for you here at JM in the AM. For the young Hassan and Kala, this selection from Kola Chai at JM in the AM. <laughs>
soldiers said or how the rain would pour Zadie always kept a smile and wiped the tears away Nothing could ever keep him down when he'd start to say It's Shabbos now, Shabbos now And we'll sing Many who say Shabbos al Malaku, and I will sing Fill your goblets to the top with royal Kiddish wine. Invite your family and your neighbors. It's now your time. A blinding stares and broken dreams Papa tries to sell a little more Penny here, a penny there Mama cries and clothes she told My Zadie always kept a smile And wiped her tears away Soon things will turn around Soon we're gonna say It's Shabbos now Shabbos now And we'll sing
עצרת גם בשמחה ובצהלה
בואי לשנות, עטרת פעלה, גם בשמחה ובצהלה. about nine years with uh, Ohad and company at the Ohel Concert 5770 here at JM in the AM. Wow, unbelievable. Mazal tov to those who have completed Mesechus Tamura and are moving on to Mesechus Krisus in um, Dafyomi. Mazal tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday morning on this August 23rd to 22nd of Menachem Av. My apologies. As you heard again, unfortunately, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty, but we worked that out, thank God, and I'm back live here from our New York City studios. Erev Shabbos Parshas Akev with candle lighting at 722 in the New York area. Well, Ben Shoshchodesh Elo, Shoshchodesh Elo will be Shabbos and Sunday next week, Shabbos and Sunday, Shoshchodesh Elo next week. Malcolm Holmline, an hour from now, well, a little bit less than an hour from now, uh, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us, and um, he'll be with us. Uh, Rabbi Yudin at age 15 with words about this week's Parsha and plenty more. Mazal Tov to the Siegel and Levinson families, Binyamin and Kayla getting married on Wednesday, the Ufruf and Shabbos Kala for the Hassan and Kala respectively, this Shabbat. Looking forward to celebrate. Baruch Hashem. Mazal tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Yeah, we are looking forward to celebrating and having an amazing time. Bezrat Hashem, Bali, Ayin, Hara. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM with Yaakov Shweki.
do that it's a minute before seven o'clock on a friday and this is america's one and only jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener sponsored digital radio around the world the web at nachomsegel.com on the nachomsegel network and of course on the beloved nsn app Galay, it's on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up we do bench rosh chodesh tomorrow rosh chodesh elbow shabbos and sunday a reminder you can hear 
Harry Rothenberg's video blog every single Friday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Nahum Single Network, part of our Arab Shabbos music mix. We interrupt our music and insert a, a wonderful Dvar Torah that Harry does each week. So that's happening later this afternoon. Arab Shabbos music mix and the Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. My thanks to Mark Zamek. The third presentation, excuse me, the third presentation of this week's Erev Shabbos show will encore at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Right after Table for Two with Naomi Nachman. That's all coming up after JM and the AM here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Galit Sal in the background. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM and the AM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן, עם מה שקורה עכשיו. הפיגוע הקטלני בדולב נקבע מותה של רינה שנרב, בת ה-17, שנפצעה אנוש בפיצוץ המטען במעיין דני בבנימין. הלווייתה תצא בשעה שלוש וחצי מבית העלמין החדש בלוד. הרב ישראל סמט, רב הגרעין התורני, אליו משתייכת משפחת שנרב, שוחח עם נעמי רביע בגלי צהל. ביום קשה, משפחה פעילה חברתית, פעילה תורנית, שכל בניה ובנותיה יצאו ילדים למופת. אנחנו מצטרפים למשפחה בכאב, בכאב הגדול. הרב איתן שנר בובנו דביר, שנפצעו גם הם בפיגוע, מטופלים בשעה זו בבית החולים הדסה עין כרם בירושלים. מדווח כתבנו לענייני בריאות. מאיר מרציאנו. איתן אב המשפחה, בן ה-46, נמצא כעת בחדר הטראומה, ומצבו מוגדר יציב ובינוני. בנו דביר, בן ה-19, מנותח בשעה זו כשהוא במצב קשה וסובל מפגיעות של רסיסים בבטנו ובגפיו. בתוך כך נמשכים החיפושים אחר המחבלים שנמלטו ברכב מהזירה. ראש הממשלה ושר הביטחון בנימין נתניהו מקיים בשעה זו הערכת מצב. בהודעה שפרסם כתב, זרועות הביטחון בעיצומו של מרדף אחר המחבלים בני העוולה. אנחנו נשיג אותם, ידה הארוכה של ישראל מגיעה לכל מבקשי נפשנו. ותבוא איתם חשבון. מדווח כתבנו הצבאי, צחי דבוש. בצבא בודקים האם מטען החבלה הוטמן במעיין או שהושלך על בני המשפחה כששהו במקום. בעקבות הפיגוע כוחות נוספים הוקפצו לזירת יהודה ושומרון, החשש בצה"ל מפני פיגועי השראה נוספים שיגיעו. כעת מתמקד המצוד בציר המבצעי בשטח עם כוחות גדולים שדולקים אחר המחבלים וחוסמים צירים באזור, וכן בציר המודיעיני לאיסוף כל פרט מידע שיכול להוביל עליהם. הכוננות הכללית ביהודה ושומרון עלתה. ראש הלשכה המדינית של חמאס, אסמאעיל הנייה, ברך את מבצע הפיגוע וכתב, אני מתפלל לאלוהים שישמור עליו. כתבנו לענייני ערבים, ג'קי חוגי. הנייה תקף את הרשות הפלסטינית על התיאום הביטחוני עם ישראל והאשים אותה. מי שממשיך בשיתוף הפעולה, תוקע סכין בגב של אל-אקצא. לדבריו, הפיגוע היום הוא הוכחה לכך שההתנגדות היא מציאות קבועה. בגדה המערבית. ובמקביל נמשכת המתיחות בגזרה הדרומית. החל בשעות הבוקר כוחות צה"ל נערכים בכוחות מתוגברים להסלמה בהפגנות יום השישי על הגדר. כמו כן, העיתון הלבנוני אל-עכבר דיווח כי ישראל סירבה להכניס את הכספים הקטרים לרצועה אם לא תקבל התחייבות לשקט עד לאחר הבחירות. 
על פי הדיווח, הארגונים בעזה דחו את הדרישה. בנוסף, גורמים בחמאס מסרו כי הארגון עדכן את המתווכים שהצעדות על הגדר היום יהיו בעלות אופי קיצוני יותר, וכי בעזה בוחנים את האפשרות לחדש תוך זמן קצר את פעולות הפגיעה בגדר והפרחת בלוני התבערה. מזג האוויר התחממות, מחר ללא שינוי, אלה החדשות.
Uh, Zevi Kaufman, Lachado Di, Aishas Chayel, done by Ari Goldwag. You heard Lo Ira Ra, Mordechai Ben David opening up that set. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, with candlelighting in New York at 722. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Elul, both Shabbos and Sunday. I remind you that eighth day is in studio this coming Monday morning. This coming Monday, 
uh, eighth day live in studio about 7.45 Eastern time. Got to stress the Eastern time because eighth day is used to Pacific time. And uh, they'll be here um, uh, ready to uh, talk and hopefully entertain us as well. Uh, 7.45 Monday morning, get set, eighth day visits jm in the am a reminder that on sunday matis hosts jm sunday beginning at 7 a.m eastern time a two-hour presentation that's live and i thank matis for that and uh, of course saturday night single of rummy tomorrow night full day today including the kedem presentation of the arab shabbos music mix the kedem presentation of the arab shabbos show hosted by mark zomik at 10 a.m and plenty more it's all happening today friday right after jm in the am if you keep it here at the nahum Siegel. Network. Micha Gammerman is next at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with the Lipa song, Chassan Doma Lamelech. We'll dedicate that to Benjamin Siegel as his offer of, uh, takes place, Bezrat Hashem, tomorrow. And, of course, you are all invited, especially those of you in walking distance. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. at 16 minutes before the hour. A reminder, eighth day in studio this coming Monday, 7.45 a.m. Eastern Time, eighth day here at J.M. in the A.M. Um... What do we call it? A new, not a new musical. I guess a live musical alert because we are hoping that we're hoping that they'll entertain us in addition to speaking with us this coming Monday morning here at JM and AM. Check out JewishWorldReview.com, JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to print out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos, and then utilize that stack of articles for your uh, perusal. Um. It's a it's a uh, it's something we highly suggest. Go to JewishWorldReview.com, check it out and enjoy. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. And first of all, I want to give you and your family a Mazel Tov on Benjamin's forthcoming nuptials. <laughs> You're so formal, <laughs> wow. And to Mayor Stein, my grandson, who will be marrying Sima Khan also, and whose offer of is this Shabbos as well. That's correct. And a little bit of a tribute to you and your wife. Even with all this familial activity that you're involved with this week, thank God, and how wonderful it is, you're still committed to be there to celebrate with us on Wednesday. And I I commend you for that. Uh, And thank you. I didn't know I had a choice. (laughs) (laughs) I I got a summons and it said show up here and there. And believe me, to be part of that is, is really wonderful. And uh, we will give full attention to Mayor and to his chasna and to Shavar Brachas. But we will also want to be at the, the Simcha of the Siegel family. After all, we've been watching it for more than two decades. Unbelievable. I'll tell you, when you think about it, the time just flies by. And, I, and I'm sure you think of this every time you make a Simcha. The place um, or the role that every one of these Smachot has in Jewish history, building Jewish families, um, you know, thinking about how, I mean, I say this to you all the time, thinking about how there, there was no such thing ever, ever before this generation, you could argue with me if you think I'm wrong, of four generations being together at a wedding celebration, and today, thank God, it's, it's practically commonplace. And especially for those of us who didn't have grandparents, didn't have the schuss of having grandparents because of the Shoah particularly, that the, the idea that you would be a grandparent, let alone great-grandparent, and as you said, that multiple generations coming together to celebrate, this is the ultimate nakama and the ultimate assertion of v'chart v'chayim. And uh, we shouldn't take it for granted. 100%. All right. Um, unfortunately, our headline right now for the weekly update is uh, what happened in Israel today. Uh, sometimes I think it's unfair because, uh, you know, limited information has come out till this point. But what can you tell us about today's terror attack in Israel? that there was a family, a uh, father and two of his children, and, a, uh, and one 17, they were all wounded, and a 17-year-old uh, was killed. The other two were taken to hospitals. They, they, um, uh, the oldest was uh, the uh, older person who was in his mid-40s and the younger boy. Um, and it was, um, they were visiting Dalev Springs, and which actually has been called the, the Dani Spring because of uh, Dani Gunen, who was killed there 
wow. I think two years ago, three, four years ago, four years ago. And the, um, I mean, the tragedy of this is is uh, terrible, obviously. That the um, and and we're waiting to hear the condemnation of the world that qu- quickly rose up in you know in such condemnation of Israel and rallying behind the, the anti-Semites that wanted to visit Israel, and now we'll see where where they are. But th- we have seen this escalation going on. You know that there were, and we've talked about some of the attacks. They hardly get any news coverage or any attention. Um, in in the um, in the media and across the board, but the the reports about how Hamas has been organizing in in um, the West Bank, not just in Gaza, and even analyses about how they how they have divided up and how they have moved the leadership for the current violence and up to to uh, from it wasn't Qatar and Turkey. Now it's in Beirut and in in Doha and Istanbul and in Gaza, and they've divided the West Bank into three parts, headed by terrorists, all of whom were deported to Gaza in the deal to free uh, Gilad Shalit. And this is uh, information from the ISA, Israel Security Agency, that the uh, uh, detailing the move from Turkey and Qatar. Which is is uh, used to be headed by Salah Al Ruri, who's now the deputy head of the Hamas Politburo, and and he was succeeded by Mayor Obaid, who lives in in Beirut. In any event, they are trying to to move both to challenge the PA, uh, but to establish themselves and to escalate the the violence. And the we have I can go through the names of the ones who are in charge of each of the three regions, but they're all terrorists. Each of them accused of of some uh, terrible acts or act of um, uh, terrorism. Um, one was the guy who, who was head of the group that kidnapped and killed um, Sharon Edry. Uh, another one was um, suspected in the murder of Rabbi Raziel Shevach. Anyway, so Israel has uncovered at least two plots before this by Hamas in the West Bank, both to topple the, the government. But they also were involved in the riots in the, on the Harabayas in Temple Mount. So they have been boasting of both their prowess in Gaza with 20,000 rockets, but also to, to um, the attempts that they try to strangle a worker at the border with Jordan. There just were many um, aspects of this uh, that um, demonstrate the escalation uh, both from Gaza, where two more rockets were fired, the attempts to cross the border, the cross-border shooting, the clear attempt with uh, guys dressed with Israeli military uniforms um, to cross the border to, to engage in a kidnapping again. This is um, the escalation all along the Lebanon and, and the northern border uh, as well. So these are, you know, you have to take this in a cumulative uh, way to see the entire picture and the the escalation of the rhetoric Abbas saying we will enter Jerusalem with millions of, of fighters the um, uh, other threats that that he, he expressed in in the remarks to to Stroops and to uh, others that the, uh, and then then it completely rejecting any uh, compromise on the um, on the Taylor Force issue, on the issue of pay to slay, um, that he said the martyrs are our most 
sacred things, the most sacred things we have, and the martyrs obviously being the murderers and the terrorists. So you create a, a, a climate in which these actions are honored and and um, escal- and, and uh, um, valued. You make you, by naming things to them, by um, providing the funding and the money. And his latest, by the way, was that they that the Palestinians are the Canaanites of that uh, lived in Israel. They said five years, thousand years ago. That's his latest uh, claim. Um, to to uh, ancestry and and therefore to to rights in the in the uh, area, so we see it uh, escalating on so many different fronts that you have to see the total picture to to understand why events like this should not be surprising. Um, on the uh, going back for a second on the attempted, I don't know what do we call it, attempted coup or or desire of of this of this group of Hamas to take over the uh, what would we say take over the political wing of the PA? Would that be the the right way? No, to they, they want to take over. They 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 have long threatened the PA and and. Uh, um, you know, and been engaged in efforts, and they were backed by Turkey. They were backed by others in, in this. Uh, obviously, Iran has a has a big interest in it, and had promised to, to give more money to to Hamas if they for intelligence on Israel and for escalating the violence from the south, and also assurances that if something happens in the north, where we're seeing the, the build up, we see uh, more investment in the areas near the Golan, where we see the both along the Lebanese border, the reinforcing and fortress-like facilities, but also the missiles, even though Hezbollah does not want a war, and I think is is very much afraid. They, they don't have the financial resources. Iran they- is also stretched. But uh, but they want to, to, and they boast the fact that they can threaten Israel from three sides now. Plus that they is- would have Syrian cooperation. Well, they, on the Golan right. border, where you have the militias and where you have the... The Syrians don't want it either because they know that the retribution will be on them, as many Lebanese, but they also let them put missiles in their homes uh, along the Lebanese border and the villages in, in um, the north, uh, along Israel's northern border. Um, so, you know, they, everybody wants to play it both ways. But it, it is funny that Hezbollah keeps threatening that they'll team up with Syria against Israel and the Galil, the Golan. Uh, but at the same time, as you just said, Syria wants nothing of it. So it's like, <laughs> and they're pulling out. They, they, Hezbollah has pulled out, but they're putting more of their troops than along the Golan area and uh, along the Lebanese border. But Hezbollah is worried, as the, all the signs are, that they, you know, they want to escalate by, uh, the tensions. You know, they started picking up tactics from Hamas by starting fires along the border, and Israel can't and in the um, planes and stuff because it's a hostile border or, or using the equipment that they might use to fight a normal fire. Um, but uh, they start the fires on the other side, and it spreads quickly, uh, threatening both villages and, and fields and, um, and a, even a military base in, in the Golan during the last couple of days. So, so, all, so they, all... you see the tunnels and then the fires, so all the tactics... Get exchanged. So all this has to be viewed and analyzed as one big coordinated effort. Whether it's really truly coordinated or not is irrelevant. The fact is that uh, as Hamas continues its attitude down there and Hezbollah continues its attitude up there, um, it, it, it is, it's essentially it behaves like a coordinated effort, um, even if they're not 100% cooperating with each other, right? Well, they are cooperating, and there are visits taking place. We know that there's uh, more interaction between them but 
Um, but terror groups seem but, to break up at some point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, they, they pursue their own interests. Right. And, uh, you know, Nasrallah never cared about what the people in Gaza did. And you saw that when there was escalations, they didn't necessarily uh, intervene. Uh, but we know that leaders Hamas ordered their security forces to hold Palestinian activists for planning another wave of uh, protests uh, like those that swept Gaza in March because of the frustration of the people, the economic conditions, the other conditions. You know, people want to leave. That the um, now that it's the situation in Gaza is considered very explosive. Hamas, uh, sorry, Qatar is sending him money to, that Hamas will use um, a considerable amount of money. The ambassador of Qatar is the representative who's in charge of this is in Gaza. Um, and, you know, when uh, Hamas has raised the flag of Islam as the solution many years ago and to, to get all, liberate all of Palestine and not to give them. But now the people see how corrupt the system is. Every institution, the judiciary, the police, everything and that it's organized and, and managed by Hamas, and that their leadership live high on the hog. Um, and the, the, the businessmen have not, uh, are not there. Many of them have left. 30,000 people left Gaza this year, and it's many of the doctors and lawyers and others because life is intolerable, not because of Israel, but because of the conditions set by Hamas. So and they have can, internal frustration building as well. And they can legally make arrangements to leave? Like that's not an issue for them. You have, they go through Egypt, which uh, does have a quota, a monthly quota of about uh, a weekly quota. I think is three hundred. Um, but the bigger, you know, people leave in some under the guise of traveling, and then don't come back. And the funeral of this uh, young uh, young girl, Rena, is taking place in Lud at three thirty this afternoon. Unbelievable, I'll tell you. Um, and, and, that, and the father, both of them were wounded right. pretty seriously. The 19-year-old is being operated on as we speak. Right now, the little boy. Unbelievable. Um, all right. Um, now, what what I surmise uh, from the situation with Iranians in Iraq and Israel's... I mean, now, now it seems like it's public information already that Israel's ready to admit, or Netanyahu you know, seriously hinted that it was the Israelis who took out those installations, right, at this point? He certainly right. you, gave well, some indications to that effect <laughs> without saying it. I like how you put that. So here's what I get from this. Tell me if I'm crazy, but here's what I get from this. I get that Israel is ready to play the game with Iran with the United States to continue with sanctions, to you know, to do what's necessary to keep them in check. But the moment they feel that they're overstepping their boundary, literally – by you know, by increasing their activities in other countries, there'll be no tolerance. Is that essentially what's going on here? You mean no tolerance by Israel? Correct. So I, I do think that that's at the core of it. Israel has made clear that it will not allow a buildup of threats against its security, which means that the transfer of weapons, the you know the the Iranians moved a lot of their manufacturing and other facilities and storages, storage house for munitions for rockets. Um, it's from Syria because they were um, uh, targeted there and in the T-4 Air Force Base, the Russian base, uh, where Israel hit several times. Uh, so they moved it uh, closer to the Iraqi border and then across into the into Iraq, thinking that they would be immune uh, from being hit. And according to the Iraqi Hezbollah militia, 
uh, there were their members were killed and wounded, and they said it was an aerial bombardment, but an unidentified aircraft uh, in the Saladin um, province, which is north of uh, of Baghdad. And the, they said that there were numerous explosions. This is not the first time. I think this is the second or third time in the last few weeks uh, because we've, we've seen the um, uh, escalation of Iraq, Iran's activities, and Iran has the militias there. The IRGC is very active in Iraq. By the way, so is ISIS in Iraq and in Syria, and we have some time to talk about the, the resurgence and the fact that they have an estimated 18,000 fighters still there. And Netanyahu essentially said that Iran has no immunity and that they could strike and we're going to, uh, we, that they're going to act against them, um, that this is a matter of, of self-defense. It's not uh, Israel's desire to, to hit in Iraq, but a reality that they can't allow this these forward bases of Iranian equipment that could then be used against Israel. Right, and and that would, and I guess there's also a fear that that they could expand to other countries as well. I mean, we know the influence they have in Lebanon, etc. I know the geography makes it a little more difficult, but there's no reason to think that they wouldn't, you know, continue their build up in countries like that as well. Yeah, to the degree they control Iraq, and the, and the Iraqis have spoken against it and um, don't want to live under the Shiite militias, but they're there and they are. Um, they are strong, the, um, uh, but also you have to think of another party that could be potentially in danger, and that's uh, Jordan. And uh, there's nothing that Iran wants more than to get uh, to see it toppled and to get Jordanian troops through uh, on another front against Israel, um, because right now Jordan is still a buffer between Iraq and, and Israel. Is Jordan throwing out its Israeli ambassador? This is a move by some people. I don't think the king is going to do that. Um, you know, they, they let off, quote, let off steam by letting people make these really hostile comments. And as you know, that the, the peace that Israel has with Jordan, with Egypt, are not peace with the people, they're peace with the uh, governments, between the governments. And then no matter what Israel does, trying to provide, providing water and providing more water, wanting to build it, and they're saying, well, we won't take the water, people should boycott it, it's because the, these guys don't have any interest. Uh, you know, the, the radicals in, in the stability and the develop, economic development of, of Jordan or the benefit of the people, they have their only their extreme ideological goals, which includes the destruction of Israel. And the uh, the king has come under increasing pressure and, and uh, hostility. So sometimes, you know, they excuse what he says, which they might not normally, because, you know, they got to let off steam. They got to find a way to give um, give voice to to uh, to, to uh, give some red meat to the people. I I actually believe that that's not a good right. idea, <laughs> but the. Um, um, but just think that Israel couldn't have carried off these attacks if they, in fact, did it without the U.S. and Russia at least giving a nod of approval. Um, do they need do they need Jordanian approval for it? Or that doesn't factor in. Um, well, it depends on how they flew there, but right. I, I do not think that they flew over or would acknowledge that they flew over. Uh, over uh, Jordan, but and and we know that the pro-Iranian militias are are uh, feel targeted and and were really shook up by this because they were all given the impression that you know you'd be in Iraq, you could act with impunity, and now they were given a very different message about the and and the weapons which are trying to protect in Iraq, 
but are destined for Syria. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web and NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We call this the weekly update. Uh, in the context of, uh, you know, what the things we always bring up when it comes to you know modern Jewish history, the the president of the Ukraine is Jewish. Yes, and th- I mean <laughs> this may be overstating. So is the Prime Minister of Israel, so two so, Jews met. Right, got it. <laughs> but but I know this may be overstating the obvious, but there's something very significant to that historically, of correct? Of and, 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 yeah, I'm yeah, saying he was a comedian, a television entertainer, and you know the frustration of the people in Ukraine is very popular. And he won the election. And uh, Bibi was there this week, and they appeared together. And uh, I don't know if that was part of his election campaign strategy or not. I don't know how the Russian population in Israel views the visit to the Ukraine. Am I being a little too uh, cynical, or is that part of it? No, cynicism is certainly the order of the day, it seems, (laughs) (laughs) here and there. But he he went there. He had been invited, and um, this is the last chance before the election, which is coming September 17th, and whether this was to counter Lieberman's appeal and to win those of Ukrainian origin in Israel, uh, I think I'd leave to the speculators. Uh, The visit is important, and... um, you know, sensitive in the sense that his relationship with Putin, which is so important, uh, and obviously there are great tensions between the Ukraine and Russia. The, um, uh, but he made it, it was a, a quick two-day or so visit, and the president did not announce that they would move the embassy, but did talk about setting up, as some other countries are, uh, an office in Jerusalem, I think, for high tech and for business and other purposes. But a commercial uh, office is a first step towards perhaps a more permanent uh, uh, diplomatic mission there. Very nice. All right, you mentioned earlier the, uh, you know, if only there was the reaction of the world to the terror attack like there was with the potential visit of the congresswoman last week. Um, a week later, and again, you know, often I have. I have mentioned this theory or this idea uh, that uh, that whatever the Prime Minister of Israel does is going to be criticized anyway, and the world's going to not like this. You know, if he decides one way, they're not going to like it. If he does, if he decides the other way, they're not going to like it. A week later, has this thing blown over, and has Bibi's position on this matter gotten a little bit more solid ground out there, or not? Well, the only solid ground is for BB right now is what is what goes on in Israel because the margins are so thin for the parties. It's it's still unclear who can form a a, a government. What is what is clear is that first of all, a country has a right to limit who comes in and who who doesn't. The United States has barred Israelis from the United States. It's barred people from other country. Every country does it. France just barred for forty years this Holocaust denier. The um, uh, so that's number one. A country has a right to set uh, the rules. How how it was done, all that, that will be debated for a long time. You know that was for and against, and then finally giving her the opportunity to visit her grandmother. And by the way, I suggest people read the account of uh, that uh, an Israeli reporter from I think Israel Hayom went to visit the um, uh, village or, or, and and on Facebook uh, checked out members of the Tlaib family, her cousins. Uh, I guess in quotes, and uh, but also real cousins. And discovered. And, and just read the account about 
what what life is it's like for them. First of all, this is one of the wealthiest, according to the World Bank, uh, places in the West Bank. It's, it's unemployment is a third of of the general unemployment in um, in in uh, the in in the area. It, it's Beit Ur of Aqua is the name of the of the village, and they have pictures. Which shows that Achiam Tilam is uh, with a brand new BMW, and there's a Raja Tilam that shared pictures posing next to his new Mercedes, wearing a very fancy suit, and pictures of him working out in the gym in, in the latest with the latest equipment. And then you have Mawai Tilam uploaded pictures of vacation in Italy, and Anas Tilam drives a Mercedes, Samach Tilam a BMW, Niam Tilam a Corvette. And you know the portrayal of uh, um, is certainly belied by this because and, and according to a PA report from a year ago or two years ago, every home has a satellite TV and most have LCD screens in their living room, and almost everyone in the village had internet access and a mobile phone. So it's a different image than the one that she tried to paint. I thought occupation causes uh, depression and, uh, and economic depression. It, certainly. It, 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 uh, this is the account in the way that the, uh, you know, the story, and, and, and it shows you why the, the decision, one factor, is that there was never going to be any truth coming out of this. It wasn't because they were really going there to, with open uh, agendas that the uh, she claims now that they were going to meet with Israelis and security forces there. They were going to meet with, uh, perhaps, with representatives of some of the protesting forces uh, or elements, but nothing in the agenda, which was uh, titled A Visit to, to Palestine, uh, and, of course, a visit to the, the Temple Mount, where, again, we've seen the escalations, and I'm sure this would be the occasion for, for even more. Mm-hmm. So the debate and discussion can go on about you know how it was handled tactically, but I think that the legitimacy of the argument and I think the... Um, um, concern about what, what these people stand for, and, and I'm going to be looking today to see whether those condemnations will roll off the tongues of those, including some who condemned Israel over this. You can disagree, but to condemn and a, and a New York congressman condemning Israel over this, this is really it, it, it is uh, it is outrageous, and the. Um, I, I know for most people that I spoke to that they, that they were very concerned about the um, um, implications and, the, and what this will mean, you know, in terms of Congress and for Democrats, et cetera. Over- but the Democrats have to also evaluate what this means for them and their relationship to the community. Overblown or not in terms of what this could mean in Congress? Because, again, remember, I started this question by asking, has this basically blown over after seven days? I'm getting that impression. Am I wrong? No, it obviously doesn't sustain over time in the same intensity, but you will see when everybody comes back, uh, um, and we may see it, you know, in some future votes, uh, concerns about the Black Caucus and others uh, uh, where there were sensitivities even before and and some shifts. But uh, obviously this doesn't rise to the cause celebre that it is being made, but the media... Uh, plays an important role in this, and the uh, and the leadership, um, the the uh, president's uh, uh, tweeting one also, you know, called caused more called more attention uh, to it. It did not cause the controversy, and it didn't start the controversy, as some uh, said. The um, uh, and the fact is that that 
these people, the, the, the members of the so-called squad and stuff, I try not to talk about them because I really believe we just give them more and more attention. I believe that there will be a backlash ultimately against them and against these excesses. Uh, but we can't take it for granted. It means we have to work a lot harder to make the case to get the balance back. And we we don't run right off the Democratic Party. We appreciate what the president does. We appreciate what the Republicans do. We appreciate what Democrats do. And keeping the um, the channels open is very important. Uh, we need their votes. We want them to. We want Israel to be bipartisan issue. We we don't want to see replication of what is happening in England and. Uh, for that, we have to work uh, extra hard, and we are trying to do it in, Pre- in every venue and every vehicle possible. President Rivlin actually spoke to Nancy Pelosi about that very issue, about uh, Israel not becoming a partisan issue. Do you have any idea how that conversation went, or have you been told anything about that exchange? I, uh, yes, I was told it was, it, that's exactly what the exchange was, and that he said that Israel, that they appreciate what Democrats do, and they appreciate what Republicans do, and it should be part bipartisan. Uh, and the um, the message I think is right, but it's not at any price in that. And you know there are people who have said things during the course of of these weeks that we should revisit in the future as well about right. the, you know the stance that they took um, and how this whole issue you know it, it was a manipulation from the, from the start. And if you look at the group that's sponsoring their trip, there had been another group earlier, which seemed to pull out the Humpty Dumpty Foundation, that the, this group it has been known to be tied to terrorist entities, uh, alleged terrorist entities, and to uh, very negative uh, sources. So, you know, that all of this colors, uh, paints a, a picture for us of what their true intent was, what the, the, this is um, uh, grandstanding. Uh, we'll see if any future trips are affected. But the the fact is that they were given the chance to go. Uh, can, she signed a letter indicating it. She probably came under a lot of pressure because she signed it and said she wanted to see her grandmother and was willing to renounce engaging in pro-BDS activity and then withdrew it. So uh, Terry's comment that her hate for Israel is greater than her love for her grandmother, I thought was, <laughs> it was pretty telling. That was unbelievable. Um the president's comments about disloyalty, right? I mean, most people, I think, in this audience know what I'm referring to in terms of uh, how how strongly he uh, he, he worded his um, analysis that uh, essentially you have to be crazy if you're somebody who cares about Israel and votes Democratic. Those comments about disloyalty have been called by certain members of Congress a vicious and dangerous anti-Semitic trope. Now, I... I, I get the sensitivity, and I'm not suggesting that it was a great idea that the president say what he said, but anti-Semitic trope, do you think that's going a little too far in the analysis of that? Well, I think that's in the part of those who are really of goodwill, the the, the message, you know, the word, uh, because of the charge of dual loyalty, which has been leveled against Jews, that every time, if you raise it, and as he did initially, you know, did say, he didn't designate what he meant, the loyalty later right. said, right. loyalty to Israel. Right. And, uh, and said that anybody that Jews have to be crazy about democratic. If uh, and then you see the full context of what he was saying, he was not challenging their loyalty to to America. The problem is that it gets exploited. If you look online, you see how that was picked up and and uh, used by the, the many many anti-Semitic sites uh, that are, are just trolling around looking for any kind of excuse, and and they make it up. I mean, they have. 
the stories that are are just without any foundation, and given the the uh, climate in the country today, the escalating uh, anti-Semitic uh, incidents, which continue uh, unabated to to grow, and now we have the people returning to campus, so we are. Uh, very concerned, and and for everybody who has a student going to a campus, whether dorm or or um, uh, local, um, we have a hotline that's being established by SCAN, and we'll provide the number. I'll get it to you, and that you should please share it with them. That any time there's an incident, they can call this twenty four seven. If something happens, that they can report this. They can be anonymous. They can. Um, give their name, but uh, SCAN is our security operation, and they will follow it. They're in touch with the local communities and local police. Uh, it's, it's really critical that it, incidents get reported, and if we're to be able to help um, where there may be a dangerous situation and to call attention to it and get universities to do what they should do, which they, in many cases, don't, um, then uh, this is, it's very important and that students should feel that they're not alone and they shouldn't be intimidated. And if uh, something uh, negative is said or heard, they should respond to it. And the, some of the media coverage also should be held to account about the, the comments that we heard, the, the kind of uh, remarks. And um, then when somebody does stand up for Israel, like Bill Maher did, it comes on, they, they threaten to get him off the show and threatens him in, in so many ways. Uh, and, and he's not a, a pro-Trump uh, person. So I, I saw the Mar piece, but I didn't realize people are trying to throw him off. Well, the Congresswomen said they want to they want to campaign to boycott him and wow. to, to to threaten him as well. So you know we we have um, um, and and you know that there is these two stories that broke one one about the the fact that on pay to slay that the government of the United Kingdom their in, their agency for economic or foreign uh, foreign aid establishment knew since 2007 about the World Bank report, which made it very clear about the corruption and the um, uh, money that UNRWA was was, uh, wasting and the money that the PA was spending on uh, pay to slay, and that the, uh, at the time, they said that there was like a little over 1% going from the budget for to pay these terrorists now it's seven percent, and that the um, uh, so these these um, attempts to cover up that they're only discovering now all the information about about these activities, and also you, you saw the reports from France that the government um, made, the security agency they made a deal with the terrorists uh, that they could operate uh, freely they wouldn't be arrested as long as they didn't carry out attacks in France but they could plan and carry out attacks. Outside of France, this is an outrage, uh, and people heads have to roll over a thing like that. By the way, on the on uh, going back for a second, uh, the, the same people that have been tweeting about the President Trump's comments, they are pointing out, in all fairness, and I don't even know if I'm using that expression the right way in this case, uh, that the Carlos Latouf cartoon that both uh, Tlaib and Omar had forwarded um uh, they sh- it says here can surely be read for its vile underlying message and i'm sure you agree with that uh yes i think that they, they are it's not an underlying message from them uh, i mean they have been pretty blatant if you listen to the press conference that they held on monday and i'm not saying what it should have um 
the lies, the distortions, accusations against Israel, and they engage in, in that, quote, anti-Semitic tropes all the time. Look, I think that everybody has to be careful, and, and that means the president, Congress, Republicans, Democrats, everybody, because of the charged atmosphere, because of the the way that, that uh, themes are picked up, uh, whether it's the white nationalists or whether it's on the left, whether it's coming from Muslim sources or minority sources, wherever it is, the, the bottom line is that we see a continuing escalation in the number of anti-Semitic attacks. It continues to rise, and, um, uh, and anything that feeds it, and why, why we look for legislation, we look for other remedies to fight, whether it's BDS, which is an expression of anti-Semitism, clearly, and these are, you know, the congresswomen are clear supporters, public supporters of, uh, of BDS, and Israel has a law about it. And by the way, I just want to tell people when they said that, you know, this was a haphazard decision on Israel's part, there's a 10-page ruling in order to, about this, this decision. It was thought out. Their legal people were consulted. You have a, a law that bars people who support BDS from coming into Israel. And it predated, it preceded the president's uh, comments. It wasn't the president pressuring Netanyahu. He says that he, that decision was reached before the president, uh, I think, tweeted his comments um, about, the, uh, about the visit. Agree or disagree, BB has to do much better in this election. If he equals what he did last time, it's going to be bad for him. Right now, I think he would he would be happy to do as well as he did last time. It, wow. And the numbers are shifting all the time, and you see the the, sh- the vote sharing agreements that were signed, and the uh, you know the Arabs saying that they would hook up with this party or that party and stuff. I mean, it's just very fluid. Um, we don't know what how, what what is true because most of this deals with behind the scenes uh, arrangements and discussions that are taking place. Clearly, Netanyahu appears to be running very seriously, and I can't say he's running scared, but certainly running serious or running scared because every politician should. Um, the numbers, you know, keep varying, and it depends upon the source. Uh, in terms of polling, uh, numbers vary, and here. A variance of, let's say, two or three seats, which would not necessarily be such a, uh, a, a um, such a significant um, difference, matters because they're trying to get to 61, and if you're 59, two seats makes all the difference in the world. Right. And then they're trying to do it without Lieberman and trying to do it in, in some combination without other parties. So it's uh, everything right now is is very fluid, and you know it doesn't seem like Blue and White has caught fire, and it doesn't seem anybody else has. Um, that this is really an election about Netanyahu. Malcolm, enjoy your family celebration, and we should all have many simchas. Everybody Amazing. should have simchot. Only Samachot that we shouldn't have news like we had this morning, that family which will go into the Shabbos in Abelut and, and um, feel us for the, for the father and the son. People should remember them and that uh, we should only have Samachot and uh, continue. Amen. Tadarabha. Uh, next week we are off, correct? Yes, sir. Okay, Malcolm's away next week. We will reconvene the Friday after Labor Day. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Have a good Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JMM. Again, next week, there'll be no weekly update because uh, Malcolm will be away. Big Family Simcha, as you heard. Uh, Friday after Labor Day will be our next weekly update, which is two weeks. 
from today. Friday morning broadcast, JM the AM with candle lighting at 722 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are, 722 here in New York. Obench Rosh Chodesh Elul, Shabbos and Sunday is Rosh Chodesh. Shabbos and Sunday is Rosh Chodesh. So keep that in mind and... Uh, and we wish everybody. I was. Yeah, that's right. We get much closer now to blowing the shofar. David Hashem Ori Slichos. Yeah, the uh, the times are changing, as are the seasons. Uh, here at the uh, end of the month of Av and the beginning of the month of Elul, I will dedicate Rabbi Yudin's words to the memory of my mother Esther Basar Yosef Halevi. Since her yard site is tonight, my mother's fourth yard site is uh, taking place starting tonight and uh, will take place over Shabbos this time each and every Friday. Every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Newton, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in uh, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Ekev. According to the Chinuch, Parshas Ekev contains eight mitzvos, six positive, and two restrictions. Moshe is continuing his oration to the people prior to his passing. He's extolling to them, towards the beginning of the parasha, the greatness of Eretz Yisrael. He identifies for them some of the qualities of Eretz Yisrael, the seven species for which the land of Israel is especially noteworthy. And we find in this parsha the mitzvah of Birkas HaMazon, that after a person has eaten, and a rabbi has def- have defined for us that we are talking about having eaten bread, that one is then obligated to recite the Birkas HaMazon, which the Talmud in Brachos 48b uh, teaches us is comprised of four blessings, but it's really three plus one. Three which are of a biblical nature, coming from the Torah, and the fourth bracha of Hatov Vahamitiv. Now, before we even take a peek at the brachos, I just want to give a word of introduction and to say how saddened and frustrated I am to speak about this topic because it's very near and dear to me. We have an opportunity to fulfill a relatively easy biblical mitzvah and too many people unfortunately squander it and treat it with such familiarity that unfortunately it loses its significance. Think about it. How many blessings this is the same week's Parshas Ekev which is the source of and the rabbis learn out from that that we are to recite a hundred blessings a day. Let me ask you 
of these hundred blessings that we are to say every single day, how many of them are biblical? How many of them are from the Torah? Meaning there's an obligation from the Torah to dis- recite these blessings. So, according to the Ramban, Pirkas Torah is biblical. And that's why men and women should recite Pirkas Torah found in the Sidurim before the listing of Pirkas HaShachar. All those blessings in the morning of Birkas HaShachar, of Pokeach Yivrim, Bisharumim, Matiras, Surim, Zokev, Kefufim, all these blessings that we thank Hashem for our eyesight, we thank Hashem for the ability to move, and amazing, all these are rabbinic blessings. Come on, aside from Birkas HaTorah, that's right, there's only one other, and that is Birkas HaMazon, to recite the grace after meals, after we have eaten bread. Now let's be honest, many, many people are very weight conscious, and therefore, during the week, we might not be eating and consuming too much bread, as opposed in yesteryear that it was a major staple. But when it comes Shabbos, that we have to wash for the three meals on Shabbos, and there we are going to be eating bread, my goodness, we should be so careful with the Birkas HaMazon. Now, why is it that there is no blessing before we recite Birkas HaMazon? And the Sfas Emes answers that when we say a bracha, Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvot Sav, it doesn't only mean that he sanctified us with his commandments, but it also means that he separated us, meaning those commandments that are uniquely for the Jewish people, to put on tefillin, to sit in a sukkah, to hear a shofar, those mitzvos we recite a blessing. However, those mitzvos which are universal actions, like honoring a parent, like giving charity, like, in this case here, saying thank you to a supreme being, which they call God, after they've eaten, this is something that man understands is a rational thing to do, but points out the Chosid Yavitz in his Sefer, Chazde Hashem, ouch, there are those mitzvos that have mazal, such as the mitzvah of Purim, the mitzvah of Bir Chameitz, destroying the Chameitz, the mitzvah even of Basar B'cholav. And then there are those mitzvos that don't have mazal, and one of them happens to be the Birkas HaMazal. So I'd like to spend some time with you, just going through some of the very important points regarding Birkas HaMazon, that maybe, maybe we can literally enjoy it, so that your Shabbos meal, which can take an hour and a half, two hours, how long does your benching take? And don't get me wrong, you compliment your wife, the hostess, for the delicious meal, I ask you, is your benching 
delicious? Do you enjoy the benching? Was it an uplifting spiritual experience? Or was it mumbled in perhaps less than two to three minutes? I want you to know I'm proud, but I personally sing the Birkas Hamazon so that I can focus on each word and hopefully the guests around my Shabbos table can do likewise. So I'd like to begin by asking, first let's identify what are the four blessings of Birkas Hamazon. So the Talmud in Brachos 48b tells us that the first bracha of Hazon Es Hakol was composed by Moshe in the desert when the man came down. The second bracha of Al Oretz Mazon, thanking Hashem for the land of Israel, this was composed by Yoshua when he led the Jewish people into the land of Israel. The third bracha of Bonei Yerushalayim, which includes Malchus Beis David, the kingship of David, the Beis Hamikdash, Yerushalayim. This was composed by David and Shlomo. And interestingly, whereas Sfardim will say Amen after a series of brachos throughout the year, including Shmona Esrei, Ashkenazim do not say Amen after a series of brachos, why do we say, Bonei Barach Yushalayim, Amen? And there are two interesting answers. The first one is to separate the fourth bracha from the first three. The fourth bracha, as we studied last Friday in conjunction with Tu Ba'av, the fourth bracha, the Talmud tells us, was composed by Chachme Yavne, after the destruction of the second temple, the many, many thousands and thousands, and unfortunately, one more time, thousands of Jews were slaughtered in Betar, and the Romans, Yamach Shemam, would not allow the Jews to bury their dead. For years, the corpses stayed out, and the weather did not have a negative effect upon them. Hatov, we learned, Shalohisrihu, the bodies did not decompose, causing sickness and unfortunately great humiliation to the bodies. And Hamitiv, Shanita Likvura. And this was given to us as we studied last week on Tuba of Permission after years, and we'll see why this is included in the Birkas Hamazon. So the Amen comes to uh, separate the first three from the last bracha, and the second reason for Amen, Abaye suggests, is that if I am working for you and you have to give me time off to eat lunch, okay. Fine. Now what am I doing? Now I'm going to say Birkas HaMazon on your time. So the rabbis tell us, wait a second. The first three blessings which are biblical that you would say. The last bracha you wouldn't say on the, quote, boss with a small b's time. The Shulchan Aruch says that nowadays we are a bit more forgiving or the workers are unforgiving 
Okay, and therefore we allow our workers to say all four blessings in the Birkasa Muzzon. But at one time the Amin meant men, workers, go back to work. Okay, I'd like to ask one question. Why? Why is it that you've eaten a tuna sandwich and it's not enough that we say thank you Hashem for the sustenance. No, we say thank you Hashem for the sustenance of the sandwich. Don't go away yet. We thank you Hashem for the land of Israel. Don't go away. We thank you Hashem for the Beis Hamikdash that we had and praying for in the future, the royal house of David. And finally, we thank Hashem for burying the dead of Betar. What does all that have to do? And the Meshachachma suggests a very interesting possibility, and he says the following, that basically in the Birkas HaMazon, we have number one going from the individual to the communal. The individual, the Jewish people were fed miraculously mun in the desert, as individuals, we come into the land of Israel, we become now a people with our own land, okay? And so now God is going and showing His divine providence from each person to now each person as part of a nation. The nation is expanded in the third blessing, showing us what the apex and ideal of our nationhood is, namely having God's divine shechina, His presence in our midst. And finally, the churban betar occurred after the destruction of the second temple in our being in a gullus mentality. It happened in Eretz Yisrael, but it was like we were in Golos, and God showed his Hashkocha Protis, his concern for the Jewish people, even in their state of exile. Let's take it and make it a little more, more clear. You've just eaten a meal, and the Gemara in Brachos warns us, this is Brachos 32a, the Bracha says, be careful because, uh-oh, if a person is going to eat, this could lead to a sense of arrogance. Says the Gemara, Male krese, you fill the stomach, zane biche. It could lead to sins and arrogance. So, therefore, the purpose of the Birkas HaMazon is, hey, now that I have nourished my body, now that I am good, what am I supposed to do with my healthy body? Ah, you're supposed to be part of a Jewish people. And you're supposed to work for and towards Jewish destiny and to realize God's involvement in our midst. Let's take it one step beyond. A very, very beautiful Ramban. The last, towards the end of the parasha, the Torah tells us in chapter 11, verse 12, 
that the land of Israel is special, and it's the land that God is concerned about. From the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Says the Ramban on that Pasuk, chapter 11, verse 12, and I quote, very powerful, that Yeshbo sowed Amuk. There's a great depth and secret to this verse. Watch. This land is the source of all. And here it comes. I quote from the Ramban inside. All lands are nourished and get their nourishment, sustenance through the land of Israel. To what may be compared, may be compared to a father that has many children, but one child excels. And the father wants to give that one child a lollipop. The lollipop might cost just a very insignificant amount. But the other children who are not going to get the lollipop are going to make fun of that one. If that's how Levi, that's the only thing. They might even come to beat him up. They're jealous of him. So what does he do? He gives them all a lollipop. But he knows that it's coming because of them. Rashi explains on that pasuk that Hashem gives to all the lands what's coming to them. But it comes only because he gives to Eretz Yisrael. And once he gives to Eretz Yisrael, so therefore, he gives to the other lands as well. You had a tuna sandwich. Don't tell me that the bread came from Iowa, the wheat. And don't tell me that the tuna was caught off the coast of Pacific. No! It all comes from Eretz Yisrael. That's why we go from the first bracha to our destiny, tying us to the land of Israel. Please God, the third Beis Hamidosh, which is going to come. And our constant reminder that Hashem is Tov Humetiv in the past, present, and please God for the future bringing us, as we remind ourselves each and every time we eat, that He is guiding us to Jewish destiny and to, once again, His having that very special place on earth. Shabbat Shalom to all. Good morning, Nachum. Good Shabbos, everybody.
Yeah. 
with Shabbat Shalom. Before that, Yehuda Greens, Mim Komcha. Erev Shabbos, Parsha Zekev with candle lighting at 722 here in New York. Um, coming up, it's Naomi Nachman, of course, with an encore presentation of Table for Two, the Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's going to be Mark Zomik starting at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. 1 p.m. Eastern Time is um, Harry Rothenberg's video blog, Parsha's Zekev. Erev Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting brought to you by our friends at Kedem. Tomorrow night, it's Saturday Night Seagull. And, of course, on Sunday, Matis has JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time here at the Nahum Seagull Network. Monday, eighth day visits JM in the a.m. Eighth day, 745 this coming Monday. Make sure to be tuned in. It's eighth day. They'll join us live in studio at JM in the a.m. Israel, 
Friday morning, Arab Shabbos. My thanks, everybody, for their good wishes. Minyamin Siegel's Ofroof and Kayla Levinson's Shabbos Kala as we get set for the big event upcoming this week. Meanwhile, it is time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM and the M. It's a very 
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week. Thanks so much, everybody. Don't forget, Monday, 8th day, live in studio here at JM in the AM. Mazal tov to the Siegel and Levinson families getting set for the big celebration. And I thank all of you for your wonderful wishes. Have a, a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Until Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.